On Tuesday, President Biden shared his policy aspirations during the State of the Union address. The Commander-in-Chief outlined three tax proposals, a quadrupling of the brand new excise tax on stock buybacks, a billionaire minimum tax, and extending the now-lapsed expanded child tax credit. Given a divided government, the prospects of major tax changes becoming law are dim. But what do these proposals signal about how President Biden thinks about tax policy as he enters the second half of his first term? Welcome to The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast. My name is Jesse Solis, Communications Manager here at the Tax Foundation, and this week we are joined by two experts from our federal tax policy team, Alex Morishanu and Erica York. Alex, Erica, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jesse, thanks. Good to be here. Great. Um, so, Alex, let's get into it. Uh, Tuesday night, we're recording on a Wednesday, uh, but on Tuesday, President Biden delivered his annual State of the Union address. Uh, taxes played a pretty big role in his remarks. What um, exactly did the president say he hopes to achieve this year on taxes? So as you said in the, at the beginning, there are three uh, major policies that he listed, the uh, stock buyback uh, excise tax increase, uh, reintroducing uh, the expanded child tax credit, and introducing a new um, billionaire minimum tax, which is not to be confused with either the uh, global minimum tax in recent uh, international tax discussions or the uh, book minimum tax passed in the Inflation Reduction Act uh, last August. So I think big picture, we can say that uh, this agenda is in some ways sort of more of the same or at least pieces of things that have been proposed or enacted before uh, the billionaire minimum tax, which we'll get into in details later, uh, was bandied around as part of the Inflation Reduction Act uh, discussions last uh, summer, uh, but did not end up getting passed. Uh, obviously, the stock buyback excise tax did get passed, but is looking to be increased. And then, of course, the child tax credit was expanded at the beginning of his presidency and uh, expired, and we're now revisiting it. So in, in some degree, all these proposals have been uh, around in some form before. Uh, we're just sort of seeing them either reheated, uh, reintroduced, or tweaked. Yeah, Alex, there's only uh, so much time before we get the Alex Morishano minimum tax proposal uh, from this White House. Minimum taxes seem to be all the rage um, for this for this president. Um, so, Erica, let's walk through some of those proposals. Talk us through the stock buyback tax. Um, what is it today, and where does he want to take it? Currently, the stock buyback tax has only been in effect for about one month. It was passed as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, and so it is a brand new idea. Uh, it's set at 1% of net stock buybacks that, that corporations engage in. And of course, a stock buyback is just one way that firms return value to their shareholders. They typically have two options, cash dividends or buying back stock, both of them um, simply return value to people who have invested in the business. The critics of that argue that, that they're a drain on investment, that they create a drag on uh, economic growth because businesses pursue buybacks at the expense of investment. But of course, all of the economic research tells us actually buybacks aren't that big of a deal. They give cash to shareholders who then turn around and, and plug it into other ventures. So really it's a not that big of a deal that, that buybacks exist, but the president wants to target them and quadruple that that excise tax from 1% to 4%. Wow. So it's a, it's a new tax that he wants to make even newer and higher. 
Uh, so that's, that's interesting. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Now, Alex, let's talk through that second tax proposal he mentioned, um, a new billionaire minimum tax. Um, as you said, what's old is new. This has kind of been around before, but um, what exactly is this tax and why is he calling for it again now? Yeah, so technically it's not a, uh, bil- a billionaire minimum tax suggests that only billionaires are are eligible for or are sort of will fall under it. Um, the uh, threshold for the tax is actually households with net wealth exceeding 100 million. Uh, uh, the justification hey. for the name is that, uh, according to some modeling, uh, I believe that over 50% of the tax burden of this would fall on households earning over a, a, a billion dollars. That's the justification for the name. Um, still, you know, $100 million in, in household wealth, that's a, still a pretty bi- pretty narrow band of, uh, of taxpayers. <laughs> um, and so the taxes structure that households with net wealth exceeding $100 million would pay a minimum effective tax rate of 20% on an expanded measure of income that includes unrealized capital gains. And that is what is most novel uh, about this policy idea. Um, Unrealized capital gains, namely you own uh, shares and say stocks that probably is the the simplest example um that have you know risen in value say doubled over the course of the year uh generally you don't you, you don't pay yeah. taxes on those uh until you sell them um but this tax would uh be levied even if you didn't sell uh your capital gains it would include those paper earnings uh in your income uh and you would have to pay uh up to 20 percent of uh, that income, your income, including unrealized capital gains, if you fell into that bracket. Okay, so not quite just for billionaires. Does impact billionaires, though, and some more households, but still you got to be making quite a bit to have this impact you. Uh, We'll get back into the politics in a little bit, but Erica, let's go through that last tax proposal uh, real quick here. The child tax credit got brought up. Um, The child tax credit, I feel, has gone through a million changes in the past couple of years. Um, so where does the president want to take it today? Yeah, he wants to take it back to where it was in 2021. So the American Rescue Plan significantly expanded the child tax credit, if you'll recall, it increased the maximum credit to $3,000 with an extra $600 boost for younger kids. Uh, it took out the phase-in, so it made it fully available to families, even if they had no income or little income. And then it paid part of that out in advance monthly payments. So a, a big increase in terms of just the maximum credit amount and a big increase in terms of who could qualify for the credit. Then, of course, paying it out in advance monthly payments was a, a big lift for the IRS because typically you wait until you file your tax return and then you get your tax refund. And, and that's when you get the benefit of those refundable credits. Hmm. So first, I want to kind of talk through the economics of these proposals, then we'll get to the politics a little bit. So Alex, let's pretend the president could implement tax policy with stroke for pen, uh, and he made all three of these provisions law today or tomorrow or next week. What would the impact on the economy be? Well, I think on the margin, you know, you would see an increase in uh, investment costs, uh, disincentivizing, you know, saving an investment at the top. Um, You know, the billionaire minimum tax idea is probably 
more analogous to a, a wealth tax than a lot of the than the existing sort of individual alternative minimum tax, which is another minimum tax uh, that already exists. Um, in that it's focused on these unrealized capital gains, um, and that could create issues for, for instance, uh, uh, closely held private businesses. That creates a lot of compliance problems as well. Uh, and, as well as the disincentive on, on saving and investment. Um, so at least on the, that, that's the issue with the billionaire minimum tax. And similarly with the stock buyback tax, um, you know, corporations, as, as Erica said, do buybacks when they've exhausted their existing investment opportunities and buybacks are sort of how they recirculate that money to, uh, shareholders who then often, you know, will reinvest uh, that money in other businesses uh, that have other better investment opportunities available to them. So that would be that could also be you know negatively impacted by the by the stock buyback tax. Now uh, stock buyback tax is still new um, at at one percent uh, right now, and so we should be able to find out more about how that policy ends up working in practice soon. Um, but that's what we would expect. Okay. And so, Erica, let's talk about the, the politics here. We do have a divided Congress. Uh, we saw the new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, sit behind the president last night. Um, for those who watched, it was a pretty uh, vocal audience, I'll say, um, coming from member reactions. Uh, but do do any of these proposals really stand a chance in the current Congress? I think at least as they're outlined by the president in his speech last night, no. I think they're, they're dead on arrival. The place where we could potentially see some movement would be something with the child tax credit. Um, but I, I would highly doubt that it would be the full, you know, American rescue plan style expansion. You might be able to see some kind of slimmed down version of that. But no, I, I don't see the billionaire minimum tax or a quadrupling of, of the stock buyback tax making it through uh, a divided government. Yeah. Now, Erica, one more follow-up question for you. Um, I saw it along with your, your Twitter last night uh, during the speech, uh, you tweeted out something along the lines of protectionism. Um, the president talked a little bit about trade to uh, beyond taxes as well. We don't need to get into all the details there, uh, but where do you kind of just see all this from a message standpoint of where the president's at currently as he's thinking about taxes, trade, and the kind of U.S. economy as a whole? Yeah, uh, populism seems popular. <laughs> uh, we saw lots of arguments for Buy America, you know, reshore our, our supply chains, all of these things that tend to resonate with with voters, but then really work in the opposite direction of the the outcomes that the president says he wants. You know, if we want more better infrastructure, if we want costs to go down, that that would be aided by, you know, um, trade, by partnering with other countries where, where they can make things better than we can and, and we trade and we benefit. Um, you know, Econ 101 speak <laughs> there. But if you're if you're saying you know everything has to be made in America and everything has to come back home and we're going to penalize any cooperation um, that that's going to lead to higher costs that's going to lead to longer wait times all of these things that we saw during the pandemic that we really didn't like uh, that's what we invite when when we um, take on that that made in America by American uh, type of yeah. of policy and Alex as we wrap things up here um, talked about these policies probably won't have the greatest impact on the economy, they don't have the greatest chances in Congress. Um, 
as we still, you know, recover from the pandemic, as we still deal with this inflationary environment that we're in, uh, where do you think the president should be focusing his tax efforts with this new divided Congress? Look, I mean, I think the small bore, uh, plausible um, pathway to real improvements in the policy environment in the divided Congress uh, would probably be in the realm of fixing the tax treatment of R&D. Um, this was a, there was a budget gimmick basically in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, where um, in 2017, relatively far into the budget window, you know, starting in at the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, companies have had to spread R&D deductions out over five years instead of making their full deductions immediately um there's no real justification for this policy it was just a way to reduce the the budget cost uh of, of the tax cuts and jobs act uh no one really advocated there's no there's no like policy advocacy for this this idea um there's no coherent justification <laughs> for it um but it sort of stuck around out of inertia um and so i think something like that, which would be a couple order of ma orders of magnitude smaller than uh, these proposals we're talking about, but still have a real positive impact. Um, I think that's something that that they could, that you know, a divided government could do, and ideally, you know, pay for that with with some small, you know, uh, uh, cutbacks to some kind of some other, you know, tax exp tax expenditure, tax subsidies. You know, um, I think that's you know the the, mm -hmm. the a like sort of po possible good, good ending, you know, for uh, uh, <laughs> uh, for policy in this Congress. Um, and it gets about the order of magnitude for like an 80th percentile quality outcome. And you had a, a great op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about this very issue not too long ago. We will be sure to link to that in the episode notes. But Erica, final word, any other priorities you think the Congress should be working on um, post-State of the Union? Yeah, I'd, I'd add to that another TCJA budget gimmick. Of course, the, the phase out of bonus depreciation, which dropped from 100% to 80% this year. Uh, again, that, that would go uh, along with R&D expensing in the direction of you know, improving American manufacturing, improving incentives to make things here without you know mandating that they're made here. Uh, so, you know, I'd love to see Congress act on that. Whether they will is another question. Yeah. <laughs> No, Erica, that's a good point. And, uh, and lastly, and Alex, I'll toss this question over to you. Since 2016, uh, 2020, I forget when the elections were, but the pre President Biden for a long time has been saying, I will not raise taxes on anyone making under $400,000. Uh, he repeated that pledge again last night. I imagine he'll keep repeating it um, until, you know, his, his days in the White House are over or even beyond that. Has the president stuck to that pledge so far? And with the proposals he was saying last night, does he have a plan to still stay within his promise? Well, it depends how you define, you know, raising taxes on someone. Um, on a mechanical level, uh, just on a pure, like, uh, when you just see at first order, what taxes am I paying? You know, the, the individual tax rates, for instance, are the same. Um, but some of the tax increases that he, he has passed, such as, you know, the... the um, new corporate minimum tax uh, and the Inflation Reduction Act and, you know, the stock buybacks tax, you know, they have second order effects that, 
that spill over into the uh, that you know impact everybody across the income distribution. Um, so that's one angle uh, on that subject. But but really, I think his his quest to at least maintain largely maintain that pledge as far as sort of mechanically just individual you know tax rates and stuff is I think it's really hamstrung um, eh. efforts to say expand the. Expand, you know, social programs or, um, you know, pay, you know, the infrastructure bill, for instance. Um, He steered away from, say, raising the gas tax, which would have been a very efficient way to fund the infrastructure package. um, I guess now two years ago, um, but because that would would have been seen as as too regressive, he he didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think. Ultimately, I think it's been kind of a uh, handicap on uh, more productive conversations about about revenue raising. That's interesting. Erica, anything to add to that as we wrap things up? Yeah, I think it's tough to get, you know, European style social programs if you're not going to also adopt European style taxes. And of course, the pledge prevents him from doing that. Um, And there's there's also the interpretation issue that, that Alex alluded to. Are we talking about direct increases, like I'm raising your personal tax bill, and, or are we talking about, economically speaking, the burden of this tax can can fall on you, even though you may not be cutting the check to the government? So in, in that latter version, I do think the proposals and the things that have been enacted, like the buyback tax and the corporate um, book minimum tax, by those economic effects will create a tax burden um, across the income distribution. It's just not directly on on people earning under four hundred thousand dollars well they're all things we're going to keep tabs on things we'll keep you guys updated on um erica alex thanks for coming on if people want to follow your analysis on this and your work where can they find you online twitter at erica d york and uh twitter at ar dispel and of course both of them at taxfoundation.org all right thank you both so much we'll talk to you again soon thanks jesse thanks jesse the Deduction is produced by Dan Carbajal. To learn more about the Tax Foundation and The Deduction, visit us online at taxfoundation.org podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Tax Foundation, as well as on Twitter at DeductionPod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on The Deduction.